0: So the title of the message today is Morning and Evening Praise. And uh, what I've been doing for a while is I'm going back through sermon notes from the previous years and just uh, going through some that I wanted to go over again. And I I think this one was very important for the times in which we live. Um, There's so much anxiety. There's so much fear. There's so much stress. Uh, It's just what America is going through is just beyond explanation. Uh, but when you stand back and you look at it from a from a proper perspective and you consider the fact that God is in control of everything and you really look at human history, you realize, realize what we're going through seems catastrophic, but it's not. Uh, we're going to make it through this. God's will will be done through it and he is in control. So I think we need to, like I've talked about before, as Christians, we need to strive to have, Proper perspective, especially during times like the times in which we're living. So that's why I wanted to get into this sermon today, which is entitled Morning and Evening Praise. And it comes from Psalm 92 2, which says, To show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every Night to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. What you're going to notice today is I'm using much of the King James translation. Uh, I like reading the Psalms, the Proverbs, certain parts of the Bible just seem to have a much greater majesty and beauty when we read them in an older English. So sometimes I like using the King James version. So that's what I'm doing for a lot of the scriptures today. But I want to preface this message with this. The fact that the Christian soldier, every Christian is considered a soldier in the cause of Christ. So the Christian soldier is armed and made ready for battle through the prayerful study of the word. We know that through proper theology, you get you under yeah proper theology through the proper understanding of the word, through studying the word, Uh, by studying church history. One of my favorite topics to study is church history and the writings and biographies of great Christians, Uh, like I've referred to quite often, Charles Spurgeon, George Mueller, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, Augustine. You read these biographies of great Christians down through history, and you can get a glimpse into how they persevered through persecution or trial or struggle, through times of political upheaval, and how their faith was strengthened through it. Uh, through the study of Christian doctrines and meditating on the attributes of God. You know, quite often we wonder what we should pray about, what we should meditate about, what we should be contemplating, uh, meditating on. And really the attributes of God is one of the greatest collection of, uh, of topics that we could study and meditate on. God's sovereignty, God's omniscience, God's omnipotence, his patience, his mercy, his love, his grace. Meditating on those things gives us great peace. But on top of those things, we must also be continually in praise, continually praising the Lord, being adoring children before our father, praising him and seeking to behold more of his glory. That is so important. I don't know if I've mentioned it in my sermons, but I've talked about it recently to other Christians is I've had Christian leaders. Uh. Pastors contact me over the last, you know, few years, and I've suffered from this for, uh, as well. Where you get so into ministry, you get so into, uh, I guess you could say, the technicalities of studying Christianity even maybe the intellectualism of it, which is one of the risks that we run in reform theology. And like I've said, I believe reform theology is the sharpest edge of Christian doctrine, but it can lead to an intellectualism and we can become so consumed with that that we don't even realize that we begin neglecting our own Christian walk and our own faith. And I've had people in worst cases, I've had Christian leaders contact me who have have, have, swayed from their own walk for so long that they end up in addiction or in uh, habitual sin issues. So they'll contact me through the recovery reformation ministry. And the thing I try to always tell them is set aside the doctrine for a while, set aside the study, set aside all this intellectualism and go back to being a child before your father, a child before God. Remember what it was when you first came to the Lord and just the the fascination of studying his word and meditating on his word. And I've had to do that many times in in ministry. I'm actually coming out of one of those times right now where I was so um, consumed with the work of ministry that my own walk was suffering from it. And, And now I'm starting to experience that joy again of coming back to that childlike relationship with the Lord. And seeking to to just cling to him and follow him and not be so much into the mindset of ministry. I'm even attending, a friend of mine's a pastor, I'm attending his church uh, earlier on Sunday mornings, and it's just a blessing to just sit there and worship and to listen to him preach, because it takes me back to those earlier days, and I'm craving that right now. So, so a very important thing for us to understand. So let's Let's look at Psalm 92.2 again, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Now, morning and evening in this psalm, David is alluding to the offering of the morning and the evening sacrificial lamb. And what those tell us, what they remind us of is the daily need that we have for cleansing from sin under Jewish law. And if you read about all the sacrifices that had to be made to atone for the sins of the Jewish people, you realize that it was just a constant slaughter taking place in the Jewish temple to try to atone for the sins of the nation, just constant sacrifice being made. And obviously we see through that the the futility of us trying to atone in any way by our own power for our sins. We cannot do it. That's why Christ had to do it for us. So it's a reminder of the daily need for cleansing under Jewish law, referring to the morning and evening sacrificial lamb. And we must always remember that there was one perfect and final sacrifice that was made in the person of Jesus Christ so that we do not have to worry about making a sacrifice any longer. He was the perfect, holy, sufficient, and eternal sacrifice for us. In John 129, John writes the next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Now I want to make one point on that verse in particular. That's one of the verses in scripture that people quite often uh, misunderstand or they'll take out of context. It says the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, did he take away all the sin out of the world? No, sin still remains. <laughs> what that's telling us is it was taking away the sin of the world from those he came to be a sacrifice for. Important point to remember. The next verse is Hebrews nine twelve. He entered once for all into the holy places. Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Now, I want you to look at this in the context of prayer. He entered once for all into the holy places. The reason I say this is because I'm going to uh, make a point in a little bit that when we pray, we are entering into the holy place through Christ. So that gives us an idea of the proper mindset and the proper attitude and reverence that we should have when we're entering into prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, what I want you to think about here, this is about prayer, and it's about how we should begin our day and and end our day. But I want you to consider that heaven is full of joyful praise, and we should praise God continually on earth. Now, what a great, beautiful contrast this is to the world, especially at a time like this, when there's just so much ridiculous chaos happening, to consider that heaven is full of joyful praise, and we should also be continually praising the Lord joyfully here on earth. That's why the, the Lord's Prayer says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you read through like books like Revelation, how do we picture heaven? The Lord is being praised and worshipped, Constantly, so thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you could also apply that to the fact that we need to be doing God's will and carrying out the message of the gospel. But I'm just speaking to this right now from a context of worshiping the Lord. Hebrews, uh or First Thessalonians 5 16 through 18. I don't have this verse on the on a slide, I wrote it in just a few minutes ago when I was going through these notes. It says, rejoice always pray without ceasing and everything give thanks for this is the will of God. this is the will of, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if we're going to do God's will, if we're going to carry out God's will on earth as it is in heaven, it's going to be through prayer and worship of the Lord. Now I want you to consider this Psalm 922 that we're focusing on today gives us or provides us with two beautiful subjects, For our praise of the Father, loving kindness and faithfulness. Now, what did I refer to earlier? God's attributes. You could say that these are attributes of God, attributes of his character or aspects of his character. His loving kindness and his faithfulness meditating on those things, praise will bring our prayers and our Christianity back to our hearts. So when I referred to earlier that there are times in our Christian walk where we may not even realize it, that we've wandered from that narrow path. We're no longer walking as a little child with our Father. We've let even our ministry or our Christian work take us away subtly, and we need to come back. We need to realize that one of the best ways to do that is through praise and through prayer. And praise will bring our prayers and bring our Christianity back to our hearts in the way that it should be. It'll give us more consideration of our faith in the Lord. It'll bring us more reverence. We will reverence more what we have been blessed with through Jesus Christ. We'll take it more, I guess you could say we, we'll, we would take it more seriously, and we'll treasure it more in consideration, we need to prepare and tune our hearts for prayer and praise. Remember a couple of weeks ago in my sermon, I talked about the early Jewish uh, scribes before they would even write the name of God when they were transcribing or Yahweh or the tet- what's known as the tetragramma- Tetragrammaton in Greek. They would stop use a, 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 perf, a stylus that was set aside specifically for, the, for writing the name of God, actually go through a cleansing ceremony and put on ceremonial robes just to write the name of God. We should consider that when we're coming before him in prayer. We need to consider that in prayer we are bringing precious, considerate sacrifices to the Lord. Our prayer should not be flippant and mindless, and without consideration. This doesn't mean that we can't have short prayers throughout the day, but we need to strive to always be in such a mindset that our prayers come from a very reverential, considerate, and adoring, worshiping, loving attitude to God. They should never be hurried or cheap and not be considered in meditative communion. Quite often, the best way to start praying is just to sit, Quietly and, and let the world slip away. Spend some time in meditation. Consider that we're entering into God's throne room, into the Holy of Holies. Contemplate that and then enter into our time of prayer with the Lord. It'll be a great blessing to us. Now it says to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning. So I want to look at, at this picture that David is painting for us. And I want to I look at this through the analogy of going to sea or going out to sail. I grew up in Southern California and I spent a lot of time on the ocean. I, I sailed quite a bit and surfed a lot. And if you're going sailing, the analogy fits very well. And I want you to think of sailing as is going back, consider the, the 1700s or even earlier when people would take these great sea journeys, and they were totally reliant on nature to get them to their destination. You had to rely on the blessing of wind just to push the vessel forward so you'd get to the place that you were striving to go to. So preparing for sea is a lot like preparing for the day for Christians. What do we have to do if we're going to sea? The first thing we have to do is we have to figure our compass heading And our bearing while we're in harbor, you don't just leave the mouth of the harbor. If you're if you're leaving from, say, Southern California and you're going to sail to uh, Hawaii, you don't just hop in a sailboat and head out of the harbor and say, okay, I figure if we head a little bit, uh, you know, northwest, we're going to do pretty well. No, you've got to have your charts and your maps and you've got to chart your course and figure the direction that you're going to sail before you leave the mouth of the harbor. Now, why is that? Because as soon as you leave the mouth of the harbor, you become susceptible to winds. You become susceptible to currents. Forces start playing on your vessel that will have an that will have an effect on the direction in which you're traveling. So you have to prepare while you're in the harbor. So to put that into the context of a Christian's life. When we get up in the morning, we go to that quiet place and we're and we're praying we are in harbor. We're we're getting ourselves ready. We're we're, we're establishing our course for the day with God as our guide. So we're setting the compass heading and our bearing inside the harbor before we go out to sea. Now, some mornings when you go to sea, you come out of the harbor and because it's early in the morning, it's six or seven o'clock, the water is a glassy calm and you just have gradual swells and it's just beautiful and there's seagulls, and there's dolphins, and there's seals, and and you're blessed with everything of God's creation early in the morning on the sea. Now what this tells me is we need to be offering the first fruits of the day to God. Whether you live by the sea or you live like now we live in Idaho, we're not by the sea. Mornings are still a beautiful time and a time for us to contemplate on the rebirth of God's creation. You see, like right now, living where we live, all the trees have dropped their leaves. Branches are becoming bare. It's cold, it's rainy, and it's snowy, depending on the day. Now, that could depress you and think, wow, I want the beauty of the sunshine. I want the beauty of the trees, whatever it is. But when you contemplate the fact that nature is reflecting the way God's work, God works and the way that his plan of salvation is carried out, you can rejoice and be grateful and celebrate even in the fall and the winter, because you realize what? Those leaves that are falling in a way are becoming sacrificial, and they will nurture the ground for the leaves that will come up next year. You see? So we see the cycle of life in God's creation. So we can find a reason to rejoice and celebrate and worship the Lord in everything, regardless of how we may look at it, if we look at it strictly from a human or worldly perspective. The morning is a time to celebrate God's awesome creation of another day, to celebrate him, to dedicate the the gift of the day back to the Lord. To say this day is going to be for your glory, Lord. I'm going to serve you and honor you and sacrifice for you. Uh, I think John Calvin had a, a great uh, quote, I think he said my heart belongs to, to the Lord completely. I forget what it is. I'd have to look it up, but but he was saying his heart Was the Lord's, and he would dedicate himself to the Lord's work every morning. We in creation, we as people in creation are brightest, sharpest, freshest, and new in the morning. Dedicate that time to God, give it to the Lord. That's why we should study the Bible in the morning. We should pray, we should write, because that's when our minds are sharpest. We should celebrate the resurrection each morning. When we see the sun coming up, There is a, that's the greatest example we have in God's creation of the light of, the, of, of Christ rising on the world through his death and resurrection on our behalf. Psalm 1715 says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be steadfa- satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. David was talking about the fact that he would wake up and the world would not be pressing in on him. His first glimpse was into the face of Christ. That's what we have to pray for that we can experience and enjoy every morning. Now, one point I want to make here before I move on to the next point is sometimes when you come out of the harbor, even in the morning, the sea is not calm. It's rough and there's winds and it's stormy. And so we've got to prepare for that as well. We hope that we go into the day and we come out of the harbor and the day just cruises and we just sail peacefully. But anybody that's ever come out of the mouth of a harbor understands how almost shocking it can be. Because when you're in the harbor, you're behind breakwaters, you're behind jetties, the harbor will be calm. And it's the minute you go out from those jetties, that wind hits you, the swells hit you, the waves hit you, and it's a whole different atmosphere. It's like the world has completely changed in a very, in just a quick few minutes of just exiting the harbor. Sometimes that's what it's like going into the world. You know, in the times in which we live, it's very sad because just to go to the store can be a challenge. You turn on the TV and it's just nothing but lies and bad news. Social media is just people bickering and fighting. Now we've got all this stuff going on with the election. So quite often you go out of your door and it's like you're entering a tempest, a storm that's just battering you. You know, and now you go to stores and everybody's walking around with masks on. You don't see people hugging. You don't see people smiling at each other. I personally, I I don't wear a mask. I make it a point to try to smile at people, try to be kind to people because it's lacking right now. And so, going out of the out of our harbor very much is like going into a storm in a lot of ways right now. So, what do we do? We prepare more diligently. We we make sure that we are armed, and we're so full of the Lord that when we go out into the world, it doesn't have as much of an effect on us. You see, we got to be extra diligent to prepare for leaving the harbor each morning, especially during the times in which we live. Now it says, "Thy loving." Kindness, it's referring to God's loving kindness. Bring to memory all of the blessings of God's loving kindness in your own life. I'm talking about things to meditate on and to pray about. Bring to memory all of the blessings of God's loving kindness in your life. Regardless of current circumstances or trials, God's blessings are eternal. So sometimes when we're going through times that are tough and we're going through trials and challenges, The best thing to do is look back at all that the Lord has blessed you with earlier in life and delivered you through and brought you through. The pressures, the strains, and the assaults of this world have no measure to the joys, blessings, mercies, and loving kindness of God. It can't compare. So we need to meditate on those things. Loving kindness is a godly word deserving of a lifetime of meditation and contemplation. Again, the attributes of God. It's so far beyond and above what we just see as kindness in a worldly context. The unregenerate can practice kindness, but only a child of God can be a vessel of the the father's loving kindness. So it's something beyond anything the world can understand or offer. Now think about this point. Only a parent's love, and I'm talking about a parent in in the fact that God is our father, and we in Jesus Christ are his children, only a parent's love can convey the beauty of, beauty of loving kindness. And I want to give you four examples of this, talking about parents as we understand parents here on earth, but also you'll see the reflection of a parent to a child relationship as the father to us. Consider a wounded soldier. Who can care for that wounded soldier? A medic or a commanding officer? Or who? A parent an injured person somebody that's been hurt in a car accident or whatever it was who can care for that person a doctor a nurse an EMT a parent they will all care for that person now obviously the parent's going to show greater love but all those people can care for that person an injured an injured child who can care for them a doctor a paramedic a nurse or a parent but now consider this last one the prodigal child the prodigal son who cares for that person only the parent look at the parable of the prodigal son in the new testament his father welcomed him back when the world had rejected him he'd left his father he'd insulted his father he'd actually asked for his his his, his inheritance before the time which was just unheard of in in in, in the jewish context an absolute Slapping the face to his face to his father and his family, an insult. But after he'd gone out into the world and the world had abused him and run him into the ground, and he was left feeding pigs, and he even craved their food, what happened? He came back and his father welcomed him back with open open arms. That's how God welcomes us back in Jesus Christ. That's the kind of loving kindness that we're seeing. But only a parent can understand. welcoming back the prodigal child. You see? That's the loving kindness that we're blessed with in God. That's what we need to be praising praising him for and thinking about and contemplating daily. That's one of those beautiful attributes of God that we should study that will be a great blessing to us. Our Heavenly Father's love for us is the pinnacle of loving kindness. Nothing comes close to God's level of loving kindness. Jeremiah 31.3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying... Oh, sorry, I missed a couple of verses. Saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Now consider what this verse is saying. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, a love that's eternal. Therefore, with loving kindness... Have I drawn thee? We're talking again what I, what I talked about last week, election and predestination. With a loving kindness, have I drawn thee? Remember, he has his chosen children's names written in his book of life since before the foundation of the world. A profound verse, that is. Look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The loving kindness of our father is so profound and so amazing and so glorious that that Jesus the, the loving kindness of our father came and appeared to us in Jesus Christ. So if you want to have a picture of who God is and how what represents his loving kindness, it's the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We see God through Jesus Christ. The loving kindness of God and his son should be our constant and joyful consideration. So you cannot understand God's loving kindness outside of Christ and outside of the gospel. That's why it's so important to proclaim these things. There is no better contemplative devotion with which to spend each morning. Consider how God brought you to Christ, drew you to himself. Look back over your own history. Consider his mercies in your life. Look at all that he's brought you through and delivered you through. Praise him for your your own transformation by his loving grace. Look at the person that he has created, made you to be from what you were before you knew him. Tell of God's loving kindness to yourself each and every morning, and you will leave the harbor prepared and ready to tackle whatever the world throws at you. It says to show forth thy loving kindness. Matthew, this is telling us to show forth God's loving kindness in the world. So we prepare ourselves in the harbor. We're ready to go out into the day. We're blessed knowing that we're in Jesus Christ. Now we're going to show forth that loving kindness to the world. Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world. Begin the day by proclaiming in prayerful praise to your own heart the loving kindness of God. So like I've talked about, we've we've prepared ourselves. We've blessed blessed ourselves with these truths. Then carry it to your family. Then carry it out into the world. Live as a disciple sealed with the name of Jesus Christ. Not preaching to everyone, but shining for everyone to see. This is so important for these times And, and, and in the modern church right now. We do not have to force the gospel down people's throats. We do not have to constantly be in debate. We don't have to be preaching to every person that comes across our path. Shine for everyone to see. And then when those opportunities for the gospel arise, present the gospel in a loving, shining, beautiful way. Look at Hebrews 13. Missed another verse, sorry. 13, 15 through 16, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. That's a picture of the Christian life. Romans 12, one, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's how we go out into the day, living sacrifices, looking for opportunities to care and to shine with the light of Christ. Praise the Lord for that. So praise God, live sacrificially, and rejoice in Christian fellowship. Now it says to show forth thy loving kindness every night. So we've talked about the morning, now night, to show forth thy faithfulness every night. So let's go back to that analogy of sailing, coming back into harbor at night from sea. We talked about going out into sea for the day, dealing with with whatever the forces of nature are going to throw at us, whether it's rain and storm, wind, currents. So now we're coming back into the harbor at night from sea, battered from from the storm of the day at sea. So what do we do as we come back to the harbor? First thing is we have to be trusting the compass compass in spite of wind and waves and no other reference. Sometimes when you sail, especially at night, you're totally dependent on your compass. Because it's the only reference point that you have. So what is that giving us an example of? Faith. There are times in the Christian life when we are in so much fog or darkness that the only way we can get our bearing is the compass of faith. And looking to God's word faithfully, it will bring us through the darkness. It will bring us through the fog, you see. So coming back into the harbor at night, we've got to trust that the compass is accurate in spite of wind and waves and when there's no other reference. And then what happens is we as we move closer to the harbor? There's lights on the entrance to the harbor, a green one and a red one. And anybody that's sailed when you're coming in at night, that's a great thing to see. Because now your, your faith has carried you to that point. But now what is that a, is representing to us? Our faith is being strengthened. We're growing stronger in the Lord. Now we see the harbor lights. So now we just aim for those lights. We know if I go in between the red and the green light, I'm going to enter the mouth of the harbor. So we're looking to them. Now we're still maintaining our compass heading because what happens if we're just looking at those lights, not paying attention to our compass heading, and a fog bank comes in between us and the lights? And we haven't been keeping track of our compass headings, you see? So we're still being diligent. We're still being discerning. We're still doing the things we need to do in case we slip back a little bit or something comes between those lights, you see? But we're looking for harbor lights, and then we're aiming at them. That's an example of the narrow path. Those harbor lights are the cross, our eternal glory in Christ. That's what we're walking for, for, for. That's what John Bunyan wrote about in the Pilgrim's Progress. So the harbor lights represent the cross that we're always focused on there are times in life when we'll lose that focus. Something will come between us and that vision. And we need to have that compass heading, be in God's word, be in prayer. And then as you come into the harbor and you've had a day where this it's stormy, you're being beaten by the waves, you've been attacked, the winds are howling. As soon as you enter in those jetties and you come into the harbor, it's calm. It's peaceful. You see? So we've come back in at night. We get a picture of this analogy in Mark 4, 4, 4, 37 through 39. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm coming into the harbor. That's what Christ does for us. You see? Charles Spurgeon said that the evening is the Sabbath of the day and should be the Lord's. So I've already talked about the fact that the morning should be the Lord's. The evening should be the Lord's. Look back over the day and see what the Lord blessed you with, how he brought you through it, how you survived the storm because you're in Christ. Praise God every night for his faithfulness in bringing us through the day. Never be too tired to pray and glorify God in praise at the end of each day. Enter the day with the Lord. Close the day with the Lord. Another thing to consider is that at the end of each day, we have a bit more experience of God's faithfulness at night than we did in the morning. If we've walked with the Lord through the day, we are a different person in the evening than we were when we left the harbor in the morning because he has taught us. He has sharpened us a little bit. He's given us a little bit more discernment. We've grown in knowledge. We've had experiences that we've learned from. Consider those things each night. Look back on the day at promises fulfilled. Things that we may have been struggling with for a long time, the Lord's answered those prayers and blessed us. Thank him for those. Count God's mercies and blessings before you go to sleep. And I've just put together a list here of things we consider at the end of each day. Thank God for his provision. He provided and took care of you throughout the day. For his protection, he brought you through stormy waters back into the harbor. For breath, the fact that we every breath that we take is a blessing of God's grace. For his guidance, being our compass. For his comfort, while we were in the sea and we're being storm and the storm is battering us, he gives us a comfort that those in the world don't have. So important for the times in which we live. So many people are just so distressed right now, thinking everything's going to fall apart if the election doesn't go the right way or if things just keep going the way they are. I don't know. But we can't look at it in that context. We've got to realize that we have comfort in Christ, regardless of what's going on in the world. Thank him for the strength that he gives us to, to overcome the things of this world, for the peace that we have that only a Christian can understand, for clarity in so much confusion and chaos to know that we have clarity because we're focused on the cross of Christ. For discernment, we're, we're constantly uh, presented with false teachings and people trying to knock us from the narrow path, but he blesses us, us with discernment. For faith, faith is not something we develop. It's a gift of God. For family, What a comfort it is when you've had a bad day to come home and you have the comfort of your family. That's a blessing of God. For the brethren, for our family in the Church of Christ, praise the Lord for them. For fellowship, we're strengthened and we're sharpened through Christian fellowship. For friends, all the friends that bless us and help us and strengthen us, praise the Lord for them. And I could go on and on and on. If you're in abundance praise God for his faithfulness. One of Sometimes one of the worst things that can happen to a Christian is abundance and prosperity. So remember, if you're in abundance, to praise God for his faithfulness. Was your day one of trouble and trials? Did you barely make it back to the harbor? Or maybe you're still at sea, you feel like in the evening? Look at John 16, and James 1, uh, 1, 1 through 4 and verse 12. John 16, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So even if we're in the midst of the storm, we will still have that peace of Jesus Christ. And James 1, 1 and 4, 12. And James 1, 1 through 4 and verse 12. James, a servant of God. And of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So when we're going through trials and troubles, remember that the Lord uses those to strengthen us and to bless us with all the things we just thanked him for earlier. Proclaim God's faithfulness because to his glory he will prove it. Especially during times like these, if you tell people, My God is in control of what's going on, I have faith in him, that will prove to be a testimony to his power and it will bring him glory. Isaiah 43 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. God faithfully fulfills his promises. If we are in want and trials and have asked and asked our Father for help, maybe we should spend a good portion of time in only prayerful praise. Sometimes when you're really in a dire situation, and the problem seems to be just surrounding you and you feel like you can't think of anything else but the problem. Sometimes spend time in prayer and don't even address the problem. The Lord knows you have the problem. Spend time prayerfully worshiping him. Humble praise and gratitude to God in spite of our circumstances is a guard against the temptation to complain, fret, and worry. Consider Daniel, Joshua, Moses, Paul, Peter. Consider more modern Christians like Richard Wormbrand, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Charles Spurgeon, William Borden, George Mueller, consider that they, all these men, they all praised and sought the Lord regardless of worldly circumstances, tribulations, and persecutions. They didn't let the world affect their relationship with the Lord. So important for us to remember that. There's a quote by an unknown source that says, he that notices providences shall never be without a providence to notice. That's a profound, profound quote. He who he that notices providences and you can say and thanks the Lord for them shall never be without a providence to notice or to thank the Lord for what a great blessing that is. You guys proclaim God's loving kindness and faithfulness to the world as a testimony to the power of God in his church. See right now in the times in which we're living God is doing a great work. And he's doing it through his church. He's purifying his church. And he's going to make the truth of the gospel shine brighter. And he's going to push away all of the noise and the false teachings and all the corruption that that has been building up over the last few generations in his church. And I think that's what he's doing so much right now. So we need to praise the Lord for that. What I want to do today is I want to close with the entire Psalm 92. I'm going to read it from the King James Version, because this will really help us understand more of Psalm 92 too, which we focused on today. So let's look at this whole psalm. It says, Psalm 92, a psalm or song for the Sabbath day. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of ten strings, and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy works are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is they that shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eyes also shall see my desire on my enemies, and mine ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. To show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Beautiful, beautiful thing to consider. So don't let these times weigh you down don't stress about the election. Keep your eyes focused on God. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer, communing with him. Strive to be a little child again before God, and he will bless you. He will bring you through. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words today. Uh, Thank you for the guidance of your word. Thank you for your loving kindness, for your faithfulness. And Lord, I ask that you would use these times to sharpen us, to draw us closer to you, to do a mighty work in all of our lives and uh, to help uh, profess the gospel more powerfully. Lord, help us to shine with your light and in the coming week uh, to live sacrificially for you. And may you just break each of our hearts more and more for the work and the person of Jesus Christ, that we may serve him uh, with with zeal and fervency and with passion. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for being here today, you guys. I appreciate it. Uh, we will be back here next Sunday at the same time. I missed another verse, as you can see. It's um, like every week. Uh, we very much need all the support we can get. Our church, our main headquarters in Kesey, Kenya, I just received word this morning. Uh, again, the rains are continuing, so they have not been able to hold service for the last three weeks. Uh, So we are very much in need of funds to finish the building of that church there. So if you could help with that, please consider doing so. All you got to do is go to our website, the way the letter R122.org, go to the donate page. And we are also uh, very excited about starting our pastors training school uh, at that location as soon as possible. I'm working on the the teachings for that to get that started right now. So uh, do what you can. I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, If you need to email me, you can reach me at chat at the way, the letter R122.org. And I will see you next week. Have a good week. God bless.